in Fresno at 88.1 FM, all the time at kpfa.org. Thank you very much. Stay tuned for Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throw. Happy ending, nice and tidy. It's a rule I learned in school. Get your money every Friday. Happy endings are the rule. So divide up those in darkness from the ones who walk in light. Light them up, boys. There's your picture. Drop the shadows out of sight. This is Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throw. Today is February the 19th. Ah, 2013. Wow. Ah. Time marches on. I promised myself today I would try to convince you to subscribe to KPFA. And uh, if you subscribe today at the $80 rate, we will send you a biography of the late, great Thornton Wilder. It's a biography, Thornton Wilder, A Life, by uh, Penelope Niven, N-I-V-E-N is her name. Uh, it's a big, fat book. Oh, golly. It's actually... Mm, it's a book that every school teacher will need. There have been very few biographies of Thornton Wilder. Uh, he's so plain. He has no no sordid tidbits. Else he, um, she calls him basically, fundamentally, a humanist. Gosh, imagine that. Uh, James Earl Jones writes here, Almost everybody knows our town, but very few people really know Thornton Wilder. He goes on to say that this fascinating biography changes that once and for all. Let's see. Make the words come alive all around the world. The stage on the page. I love that line. I'm always saying that myself. James Earl Jones says the book is meticulously researched. Uh, I was astounded at the amount of detail. I love the gossip about the actors, you know, about Tallulah Bankhead getting the part that uh, should have gone to Ruth Gordon in uh, Skin of Our Teeth, that kind of thing. Uh Thornton Wilder believed a playwright should have experience as an actor. He did play the stage manager in our town uh, several times. Yes, he says that makes the dramatist better at his craft. Those of us who started out in the theater know what that's all about. Uh, I have always thought that George Bernard Shaw, who was, of course, a brilliant essayist, might have been a better playwright had he trod the boards himself. Uh, I don't know. I still love his plays, but 
it's pretty hard to get them moving, you know, to get them uh, up and running. It's so hard. Language, language is so lovely and it's so difficult. Sometimes I think maybe it is better to just leave it on the page. But, of course, we need both. We need both. Uh, anyway, let's see. There's a whole pile of reviews here. I could read you all these reviews. Some of them are rather, uh, rather sad. Uh, let me, what is it? Uh, let me read you first of all a little passage from Thornton Wilder's The Bridge of San Luis Rey. I, I was looking at it again last night and what I liked was this little passage, um, as basically about, what is it? It's about love and, uh, the story of Thornton Wilder, of course, is the story of a closeted gay man. He was the age of my parents, and in his day, uh, I think his sexual choices were common knowledge, but uh, his family was basically his brothers and sisters, his parents, and uh, he suffered uh, serious losses early in life. Gertrude Stein sent him a lover once. That apparently worked out for a while. That lover was interviewed in the 1990s and he said kind things. But basically, we're talking about a loner. And uh, that was the story of so many gay artists and writers uh, in America at that time. Uh, I love this passage in uh, The Bridge of San Luis Rey. It's a description of a loner called Uncle Pio. He's a kind of Svengali. He finds a young girl about age 12 and he turns her into a beautiful actress. He loves her, but she does not, of course, return his love. He sets her up with the Viceroy in Peru. We're back in the... Uh, is it 18th century, I think? Anyway, uh, she has children, that kind of thing, but he's convinced that she has not fallen in love yet. Uh, let me read you this paragraph. Uncle Pio never ceased watching Camilla, the actress. He divided the inhabitants of this world into two groups, into those who had loved and those who had not. It was a horrible aristocracy, apparently, for those who had no capacity for love, or rather, for suffering in love. They could not be said to be alive, and certainly would not live again after their death. They were a kind of straw population, filling the world with their meaningless laughter and tears and chatter and disappearing, still lovable and vain, disappearing into thin air for this distinction. He cultivated his own definition of love that was like no other, that had gathered all its bitterness and pride from his odd life. He regarded love as a sort of cruel malady 
through which the elect are required to pass in their late youth, and from which they emerge, pale and wrung, but ready for the business of living. There was, he believed, a great repertory of errors, mercifully impossible to human beings who had recovered from this illness. Right. Unfortunately, there remained to them a host of failings. But at least they never mistook a protracted amiability for the whole conduct of life. They never again regarded any human being from prince to servant as a mechanical object. Now, curiously here, what interested me about that passage is the fact that so many people did treat um, Thornton Wilder as one of the, what would you call it, one of the nice people, one of the obliging people, uh, Here's Alice Talkless. She says, I have just seen the New Yorker with the review of Thornton's Ides of March. How little they like him. I was quite aghast. When it's so much easier to like him than not. There's a review uh, by Robert Gottlieb in the uh, 7 January issue of the New Yorker called Man of Letters. And uh, I recommend this review if you want to look at that before you get the book. Uh, mm-hmm. Basically, <laughs> most people think, yes, there are worse things to be than obliging. Uh, a News Weekly once quoted Thornton Wilder, uh, yes, uh, quoted him as saying, On my grave they will write, Here lies a man who tried to be obliging. Oh, well, now, that's nonsense, obviously. Uh, there is a hell of a lot more to it than that. Uh, let's see, it says here in Gottlieb's review that Wilder may have had mysterious lulls in the work he produced for the public, but he never stopped writing. There are as many as 10,000 letters. Okay, here's a chance to really dig. He obviously didn't put uh, all of his thoughts in front of the public. Uh, there are surviving journals. Oh, gosh. Too many. Notes on Joyce Lope de Vega, so golly, estimated at 1,250,000 words. Okay, uh, it's the journals and letters that follow his most interesting thinking as he distills and uh, reports his literary reactions and tastes. Uh, that's what I enjoy here. Uh, who would have thunk it? Who would have thunk that Thornton Wilder was, uh, wow, let's, let's admit he was deep. The plays, not so much so. I think he, he wanted to connect books like The Ides of March. Oh, golly, that seduced me as a student. I just loved it. It was all done in letters. You remember The Ides of March? It's all about Rome at the time of Julius Caesar. And all of these people living there, from Cleopatra to Julius Caesar himself, they write letters to each other. And 
it's kind of a backstage version of what was going on before the uh, assassination of Julius Caesar. Very gossipy stuff, but uh, profound historical reflections there. Anyway, let's see. Wilder, Revere's Moliere, Cervantes, Kafka, Nietzsche, Lady Murasaki, and Jane Austen. About Jane Austen, he wrote, how seldom readers seem to remark on all that contempt for the whole human scene that lies just under the surface. Her only resource and consolation is the pleasure of the mind in observing absurdities. Well, is he talking about Austen or about himself? <laughs> he writes about drama. He loved the theater. He speaks wonderfully about Shakespeare. Quote, Shakespeare, one of the few writers in all literature who could present a young woman as both virtuous and interesting. He fashioned nine of them. They continue to affect the spiritual weather of the world. Oh gosh, I gotta, I gotta read that line again. Thornton Wilder is talking about Shakespeare and he says that Shakespeare fashioned nine young women, both virtuous and interesting, that affect, they continue to affect the spiritual weather of the world. This is true. This is true. I saw Helena Bonham Carter the other night. <laughs> she changed the weather of the world. Twelfth night. Uh, uh, Shakespeare is similarly sympathetic, writes Wilder, when telling about George Bernard Shaw, about the Greeks. Footnote here. Uh, Thornton Wilder was a magnificent teacher. He did teach in the classroom as well as uh, through his works, his plays. Uh, one of the best American thinkers and artists. Uh, one of the least neurotic. Uh. The review, Gottlieb's review goes on to say that uh, Wilder doesn't always live in such a rarefied world. He can be funny and malicious especially about the French and the Irish. Uh, in 1937, he writes to Mabel Dodge Luhan. You remember her. She hung out in Taos and had writers come to her house. He writes to her about the movie Swing Time. He writes, In Austria or France, go and see a Ginger Rogers Fred Astaire movie and watch the audience. They are spellbound at something terribly un-European. All that technical, effortless precision, all that radiant youth, bursting with sex, but not sex hunting, not sex collecting. All that allusion to money, but money as fun. The American love of conspicuous waste, not money to sit on, not money to frighten with. And finally, when the pair really leap into one of those radiant waltzes, the Europeans know in their bones their day is over. <laughs> I won't read you the 
the unkind things he says about uh, narrow-minded or highfalutin writers. He certainly does know. He certainly does know uh, what the downside is. Right? He writes to well. Let's see. Emerson Thoreau, right? Uh, <laughs> very, a very unkind, even to T.S. Eliot, the cocktail party. Yes. No, sir, he says T.S. Eliot does not like people. He is in some stung, quivering revulsion against our human nature. Oh, dear, dear, dear. He also finds fault with the religiosity and puritanism of Hawthorne and Jeed and Graham Greene. That, of course, connects to his father. It is his father, Thornton Wilder's father, that... Uh, what is the word? Uh, let's say humanized him, because he was not much of a humanist. It's funny. Um, there's a passage here somewhere I wanted to read you about the battle between the fathers and sons. Uh, it's very sad. Uh, this seems to be one of the great battles, more than the battle between the sexes. I like to look at the battle between the fathers and the sons. Uh, I don't know why this is still, what is it, the battle of the age. Uh, I'm looking here to see where I put that. Uh, it's in this big fat biography that I want you to call up and get when you subscribe to the station. Uh, Oh, yes, all these pages. Gosh, Thornton Wilder, he went, wandered around in China. Mm-hmm. And he says here, yes. Oh, well, no. What I like best about, uh, uh, right, the, uh, the section on the plays, uh, yes, and the father-son battle. Wilder says its core, he's talking about the father-son battle, uh, is the conflict of father and son and the statement of war as the anguish of the emptinesses. Whether it's the battle between George Antrobus and his son Henry in The Skin of Our Teeth, it's seen as mirroring the universal father-son relationship. Uh, it is intense, bitter, and complex. I have a footnote here. I remember the son of uh, Osama bin Laden saying that he gave up on his relationship when his, with his father when he realized his father wanted him to die for uh, jihad. He wanted him to meet his death uh, fighting for Islam, and he decided it was time to split. Obviously, the sons are waking up. Uh, he tells in the play... The uh, uh, son tells Sabina, the character who's the raisonneur, says he was trying to find him. He says, all the others I killed were substitutes. He wants to burn his father's old books because it's the ideas he gets out of those old books that makes the whole world so you can't live in it. And I have a couple more passages here about his trying to fix his plays so they wouldn't sound defeatist. Obviously, he was a teacher. He was trying to write 
so that he could change things, change the weather of the world, as he says Shakespeare did. Uh, I have here, I have here, Veronica Faisant has come in here to nudge you me. Mean, you mean up in here, Jennifer. Oh, oh, okay. She's, <laughs> she's, she's up in here. She's up in here. I, I, I didn't do that this week. We'll do, we'll do that next week. Okay, I, all right. I, I know I love Black English. I have a whole book on it. Is that now, what you call it? Well, it's a grammar. I don't know. Somebody, somebody, you know, what did they, what was they, I forget what they called it, dear. It's, it's a whole other. Ebonics. Yeah, Ebonics. Did they get that from Ebony? Uh, most probably, yeah. But in the meantime, Thornton Wilder is really the topic of the day. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. And oh I got off, I got off my sick bed to come in here. I'm just going to say, darling, you and, are a sick woman. Uh, I can tell. Well, okay. So, I mean, you make it sound like it's more than a cold, Jennifer. I'm concerned. <laughs> but in the meantime, the reason why I'm here is to encourage you to call area code 510-848-5732 or 1-800-439-5732 and make your contribution to KPFA. Now, I know you love this program. I know you love Jennifer well, I passionately. Hardly, I hardly got And started. I'm asking you to demonstrate your love by donating your money. We need it. Uh, Jennifer has been doing this as a labor of love for a lot of years. I won't even say how many. But the most important thing here is that we want to keep Jennifer doing this as long as she can. We never want her to uh, run out of things to do on Tuesday afternoon. So you can help by calling area code 510-848-5732 or 1-800-439-5732. Now, I need some people to call here. I know there are folks in the phone room. I was just in there myself before I was asked to leave because I wasn't sounding all that that great. Um but let me let, let me let you know this. First of all, what's our goal, Jennifer, for this time period? It says I, on that sheet. I don't know, you dear. Just so the, neatly put it away. Yeah, it's eighty. It's eighty dollars. No, no, oh, no. We can't have an eighty dollar goal because we know these folks who listen to you oh, are much more generous than that's that. That's the individual. You have to give us eighty bucks, and then you get the book. Now, the goal is three thousand two hundred and fifty dollars. Oh my God! And we could do that eighty dollars at a time. All you need to do is pick up the phone and call area code five ten eight four eight. 5732 or 1-800-439-5732. Donate from your heart. When you donate from your heart, it's returned to you tenfold. We really believe in that, don't we, Jennifer? Well, we got to get, yeah, we got to get. I wish I'd had more time to explain to you the reason why this book is a heartbreaker. Well, uh, you started last week telling them about it, and, and your fans are loyal, which means they're listening this week. The most important thing, you, you need to get your own copy, and then you can see for yourself. It's really a wonderful book. It's a hardbound book. So I'm telling you right now, this is what you will receive. You won't receive a paperback. No way. This is a serious book. How many pages is it, this Jennifer? Is, this is a heavy-duty article here. This is what we call a tome, folks, you know. Yeah. And so, this, this is, you know, the writer is more than his works, believe it or not. Oh, and absolutely. his works are mighty and many. So more than 400 pages, this book. And uh, there's one person on the line. Thank you so much for calling. Please be the next one. Oh, what I was going to explain to you is that you can donate $25 and come in on a basic level in which you get to vote and express your opinion and even run for office here at KPFA. You can do that. And, of course, if you can afford more, by all means, 
pick up the phone and call. And I encourage you not only to get this wonderful book for yourself. I mean, this is a real book. Never mind about that ebook stuff. This is something that you can hold, something that you can fall asleep with, something that you can grab when you go spend, have some quality time in the uh, facility yourself. Uh, <laughs> Erico 510-848-5732-1-800-439-5732. And you know what? Also, Jennifer, we got to make some money here. Mm-hmm. Also, I'm telling you that... Um, encourage you to get a copy for yourself and also to get a copy for your local senior center, your local uh, library. You can donate it to your library. You can donate it to your children's school library. You Most- can... You Most can. of the schools do skin of our teeth and our town at regular intervals. There's and this is, always a production going on somewhere. Right, and this is a perfect book if you're in a reading group. Absolutely perfect. I mean, it's just so rich with all kind of history and side stories. You must have it. Area code 510-848-5732-1800-439-5732. There's one person on the line. Why don't you be one. the next one to join Only them? Only one? He's talking here about, you know, about how his friend said some of his plays were defeatist. And he said, uh, he said, I thought that certain things were self-evident, you know, about how we got to work for mankind. But he said, no, you got you to gotta get it out there. So he started giving his characters these, what he calls these, the motto, humanity climbing upward speech, damn it. He said, but he did get busy and write them. I, I don't know, the power of positive thinking, uh, I know what he's fighting for. It's so hard not to be all time, you know, telling people what they should do that's right. Right. It's insight into the creative process like you've never had it. We have two people on the line. Thank you so much. Area code 510-848-5732. 1-800-439-5732. This is a thoughtful book in which the author, Penelope, has taken the time to give you the real story, the full story. She let, what is it, 10,000 letters. She let them soak long enough and picked out the best ones. My God. Yeah. I couldn't read 10,000 letters. Can you imagine that? And if you are a lover of books and there are three people on the line who must be, why don't you join them? Area code 510-848-5732, 1-800-439-5732. There's a limited number of these books. There are, we got them. They're already in the house. They're just waiting for you to call up and stake your claim on one of them. By the way, you can also donate securely online at www.kpfa.org. Isn't Jennifer gracious to let me come in here and basically take over her show? All she wanted to do was read to you. Lo and behold, we're making money. Eric code 510. You did get something good. Hey, there are four people on the line. You know. You got it going on. He says, art is confession. Art is the secret told. It's not only the desire to tell one secret, it's the desire to tell it and hide it at the same time. As I said, this is a man... Who had to stay in the closet, or he felt he had to stay in the closet all his life. Yeah, uh, but he was making good art while he was in that closet. I guess, what do we call that? What do we call that? Sublimation. Yeah. Right? Uh, oh, my God. That's the best one when you sublimate that stuff that you uh, said he was afraid of. Area code 510-848-5732. we are getting down to the wire here. This is we a $40 on book. The line. Yeah, 40 bucks get, worth of reading if we can get two more people 
Actually, they have to donate $80 to get the book. $80? Generally. Okay. $40 for the book. You see that? You're getting, let's see, half okay. goes to KPFA and then half is for the book. Okay, so I suggest you donate um, $240, get three books. Why not? <laughs> you know, there are events coming up. There are holidays, there are birthdays, there are anniversaries. Area code 510-848-5732, 1-800-439-5732. If you are a book lover, and I know you are, and that's why you listen to Cover to Cover and Stone's Throw, then you probably have friends who yes. are well, who, would, who aren't listening to this show right now who'd love to have this book. You can surprise them. I'm giving it to several recovering English teachers. There that I, I know them. They'll have to have it's it. Worth than being a reco- recovering Catholic. Area code 510 Thank you so much, Jennifer, Thornton for allowing Wilder. me this quality time with you. Right. Thornton and Wilder's I'm- A Life by Penelope Niven, N-I-V-E-N, with a foreword by Edward Albee. It's a short forward. I didn't really have There I don't are two know people on the Albee. line. Thank you for calling. Okay, okay, I'll be back in two weeks, I think. Next week I'm preempt, right? Not necessarily. Not necessarily. Well, we don't know about that yet. Okay, I don't know. It depends on how long it takes us to raise this money, folks. Oh, boy, thank you ever so much. Uh, I'll be back soon. Till then, go easy. And if you can't go easy, go as easy as you can. From the ones who walk in light, light them up, boys, there's your picture, drop the shadow.